week this hour is underway it is monday february 27th welcome to trade deadline week final days of february steinberg and aaron vickers from daily hive hanging out with you on apple spotify google amazon or wherever you get your podcast live right here on sportsnet 960 the fan mr vickers hello good, sir good doctor. day buddy are we gonna get into it today i think there's lots to get into i don't know if we're gonna get into it i mean specifically you and i i uh, uh potentially i don't i don't know i don't are we are you feeling feisty oh we'll see we'll see let's see how it goes um i think here here's where i believe we're on the same page i believe you and i have a pretty good grasp as the well high intelligence on one side for the record he pointed to me Average intelligence on the other side. I like to give myself average intelligence. You got the looks, though. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Nerdy face. <laughs> One day we'll tell that story. Got it. Um, here, here is the grasp or, or, or my grasp of the flame situation. My grasp of the uphill climb that lies in front of them. Welcome to the final quarter of the 2022-23 season for the Calgary Flames. 60 down, 22 to go. And they're four back of a playoff spot. They're 10th by points percentage in the Western Conference. Do not forget the Nashville Predators have you can three games them. in hand. They, they're they trading everybody away. They still put up six on Sunday. And they're three back of two back of Calgary with three in hand. They're in a better spot for a playoff spot than Calgary is right now. Um, so if I were to say to you, Mr. Vickers of the high intelligence... The math sucks. <laughs> Would you agree or disagree? Is that is that something that you can agree with? Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. If you just sort of crunch any numbers. And right now, the Winnipeg Jets have the lowest points percentage of any of the eight teams currently in a playoff spot. They're on pace for 97. The Flames, as it stands right now, are on pace for 90 even. So you've got to make up seven points on the statistically worst team currently in a playoff spot. Should things trend that way, the Flames are either going to have to go something like 14, 4, and 4, or 15, 5, and 2 to get to 98 points. And the that, Jets are slumping right now. And, yeah. and I don't think that you can uh, count on that to be the case. So I, I think that their on pace probably ends up getting a little higher than where it is right now. Whichever math, if that's if you're going 14, 4, and 4, or 15, um, 5, and 2, that's is a 119-point pace over an 82-game season or a 727 points percentage. Flames are currently at 550, so they need to spike their points percentage by nearly 200 in order to give themselves a shot at snagging that last uh, berth, if you will, in the playoffs. And I went and ran the numbers. I tweeted this a little while ago. Numbers stay true. West wildcard entries have averaged 96.7 and 93.3 points, respectively, okay. under the current format. That's seven years. That doesn't take into consideration the weird 56-game season or the shortened season due to COVID. Third in the Pacific averaged 98 points. So whichever way you want to cut the math, which I don't think is very great, 
the Flames have a massive uphill climb if they want to play postseason hockey this year. Yeah, they sure do. It is a it is a significant uphill climb. The math is not good for them right now. That does not mean that this thing is over and done. That does not mean that this thing is in the toilet. But just the straight raw facts is that this is not a good situation for Calgary. So I'll I'll engage the text line on this Monday hour of Flames Talk at 960, 960. Would love to hear from you as to your, because we've got a good, we've got, for, for those who listen live with us, we've got a good cross section. We've got people who skew super positive. We have people who skew a little bit more skeptical because of the numerous heartbreaks that they have endured as Flames fans over the last number of years. As a Flames fan, if you're listening, are you glass half full or glass half empty on their prospects for the playoffs in the final quarter of the season. Fire those in. We'll get to them a little bit later this hour on the text line at 960-960. would love to hear from you in that respect on your glass half full or glass half empty. And as you pop those in for us, let's get into what the Flames have to fix. Let's get into the areas the Flames need to be better at. Let's get into the areas where they absolutely need to improve in or fix or figure out if they want to get to the postseason, if they want to be a wild card team, if they want to be a Pacific Division team, whatever the case may be. Because I think on the uh, surface, it's pretty simple. On the surface, and the first thing that comes to mind, I know you've got some numbers here. Got to be more consistent, right? I think that that is, you got to get in a run. We got to play more consistent hockey and stop win one, lose one. Stop making it so hard to string wins together. That's very on the uh, surface. What I think the first thing that comes to my mind is what I think the first thing that comes to many minds is here's uh, Rasmus Anderson who talked a little bit about that after practice on Monday. We know what kind of situation we're in and, um, you know, um, we, we got to start winning and we got to, start getting uh, wins, you know, three, four, five in a row. And, um, you know, we, we have heard it's been, I've heard people talk about roller coasters. And, um, you know, as I said, we, we just need to win, you know, three, four, five in a row and um, really get on a roll here. So that's very easier said than done, though, because this has been an issue, as your numbers will flesh out, this has been an issue and something that has plagued them for the better part of three months now. Well, it's easy, again, as you mentioned, to say we need to win three, four, or five in a row. But they haven't had a winning streak longer than three so far this season. And they haven't gone over back over two. They haven't had more than two consecutive wins since a December 3rd to December 7th run. They've won four, four sets of back-to-back games in that stretch. They're 14, 11, and 9 since that three-game winning streak. So 14 wins, 20 losses, if you want to look at it that way. And they've gone 13. This is the one that floors me. So this, again, is since their last three-game winning streak in December. That's the last time they've won three games in a row. December. Last year. Not even once in this new calendar year, which we're almost two months into. This is more troubling for me. They've gone 13 straight games without back-to-back wins. So every time they've won, they've immediately lost afterwards over the course of the last 13 games. This is a team that needs to put four or five together, and they haven't done back-to-back in 13 straight. Hell, I I would even take a three-game win streak, a loss, a shootout loss, and then three more wins. Put together six one-and-one in an eight-game stretch. They haven't done that in ages. I don't even need them to win six in a row. 
give me six wins in eight or or give me a seven, two, and one over your last ten. You know that sexy last ten column on the NHL standings is one of the first things that you look to when you go see how an opponent's playing of late. Like I want to see seven, two, and one or or something like that over their last ten. It's been ages. It's been five and five and six and four or four, four and two. And it's it's been that for months. The it's funny you should mention that because if you look at it right now, it reads three, four, and three. <laughs> Like that's that's that that's, season. that's the 10 games coming out of the NHL All-Star break. That 3-4-3 three, three pace in terms of points percentage is 25th best in the NHL. This is a team gunning for a top eight spot in the Western Conference and their performance from the All-Star break on. And the All-Star break was going to be the great reset. It was going to be get away from the game, clear your mind, come back, go on a run. That was the stretch where Bradshaw Living started to do a bunch of media avails and basically said, we'll see what the rest of the month brings before we determine our course as it pertains to the NHL trade deadline. They're 3-4-3 three, and three in that 10 games, 25th best in the NHL in points percentage. Yeah. It's, that needs to improve. 100%. No doubt about it. But that's all, that's all and, and I'm not, this is not a shot at you, but that's all... The whole thing about consistency is very surface level, right? Because there's clearly more to it than just, well, they're good. Some like, why are they so wildly inconsistent? Why are these swings? So crazy? Why can they look as good as they did for 30 minutes against Vegas? And then as scared as they did or whatever term you want to use for 30 minutes against Vegas, why, why can they look so good against one team and so completely different against another. It's not a unique flames only pro- problem. I grant you that, but it is the product of being a very average hockey team so far this year. And just being consistent and finding consistency is very, very much easier said than done because this is a group issue for me that stems from numerous key driving force, important players not being where they want to be or need to be, or where the team needs them to be. And until that changes, I can guarantee you that this team will remain in, uh, will remain inconsistent. I can guarantee you that if those players don't start to be the consistent driving forces, if those players don't night in, night out, or on a far more regular basis, be the best players on this team and be close to or at their potential capability, whatever word you want to use, this team will continue to struggle with the infuriating swings that we've seen since October. I can guarantee you that, and there's 22 games to go. I don't know. I don't know if you can. It's it's realistic to think that snap of a finger, blink of an eye, oh, well, they're into the final quarter now. Now it's going to be consistent. It would be awesome to see. We both want to see them be in the playoffs Flames fans all want to see him be in the playoffs. It would be awesome if they could. I just get it if you're skeptical and not necessarily suggesting or or falling back on the fact that Kadri, Huberdo, Markstrom, Lindholm, Uyghur, like the, these these guys that were counted on coming into the season as being the best, most important players on the team are just going to figure it out. And now in the final 22 that stretch of hockey, they're going to be the guys they want to be. Hopefully that's what happens. I just understand why there might be a little skepticism about that happening, or a lot of skepticism. the glass half full side would point to the fact that the Flames haven't lost more than back-to-back games 
since exiting that three-game win streak when they lost five in a row from December 9th to December 16th. Three of those were overtime or shootout losses, so they still gathered points. But that's just where this team is, where they're win one, lose one, win one, lose one. If they run through that the rest of the season, there's not a shot at the playoffs. You're asking one or two teams, depending on whether or not you believe Nashville's still actually in the mix. I don't, given the fact that they've sold off some considerable assets. They might move a couple more, and they're more rebuilding or retooling on the fly. So I'm kind of half dropping them from the equation. But they just need one of L.A., Edmonton, Seattle, or Winnipeg, Minnesota, whichever one falls out of the, uh, out of the Central Division race. Yeah to slide just a little bit further and suddenly the Calgary Flames are in and uh, some of these teams aren't world beaters at the moment. The Oilers only have four wins in their last 10. Seattle only has three. The Jets have four. The Kings have five. Problem is, Flames have three. You need your best players to be your best players as you mentioned. They've only got 20 games to to do it. 22 games to do it. And and they've put themselves in a spot where even with their head-to-heads left, they still need... Um, they still need help. Even now, because Minnesota scores, sorry, Carol Kaprizov scores three unanswered, yeah. erases a 2 nothing deficit Sunday against Columbus, and now all of a sudden Minnesota's in a spot where they're, they've got six on you. So even, even the head-to-heads that you've got with the Wild are not enough to make up the difference. They need to win their head-to-heads against L.A., Winnipeg, Minnesota, whatever team it ends up being, they, they they need to do that, and they still need help. Like, they are at a spot where they don't control their own destiny. Right. I mean, they do because you win 19 to 22. It doesn't matter. Like, of course, they still control their own destiny, but realistically, they need help in every circumstance, and that is not the situation they want to be in. And yet, just, you know, being around Blake Coleman, I know you were there on Monday morning as well, being around Blake, being around Rasmus Anderson, who we already heard from there, being around Tyler Toffoli, listening to head coach Daryl Sutter, they're they're doing their best. They're doing uh, all they can to try to just focus on what they have to do. They know that their situation isn't great, but if you take care of more of your business than not, at least you give yourself a chance, and that's what the Flames need to be banking on here. They've got two against Minnesota remaining, two against Vegas, two against L.A., and one against the Winnipeg Jets. I don't know how many of those you can afford to drop, especially if you happen to hit one of those teams slumping and the proverbial four-point game start coming out and you have a chance to make up ground while eliminating one off the board from one of your opponents. But this is going to be an intriguing, I'd say, two-game set before the trade deadline and then the final 20, the sprint towards the finish line, because these guys are watching the scoreboard. They're just like you or I. They know exactly what's going on around the league. They don't have the luxury to take a night off or two nights off and just disconnect from hockey when you've got teams in and around you that are gaining ground or putting more distance between the Flames and their own team. This is scoreboard watching season, which is always the fun part for me because I love playoff races. Imagine it's not so fun if you're a member of the Calgary Flames. Uh, keep getting your text in at 960-960. I see some great stuff in there already. Lots of them already. And we'll get we'll, we'll carve out a good chunk of time before the roundtable this hour to get to those texts. So keep getting them in on your uh, half full, half empty, however, the, uh, however your outlook is as we enter the final quarter of the season. A couple of other areas that, that need to be figured out for this, for them to have a chance and for this to be figured out. Goaltending, it just they yeah. need they need to figure it out. And and again, 
your skepticism is, I think, well-placed about it happening. They do not need elite goaltending to give themselves a chance. What they need is above-average goaltending. I think right now you'd probably take just average goaltending. And, and, and they, I, I hate ragging on goaltending because I am such a massive Jacob Markstrom fan as a goaltender and as an individual. I am such a massive Dan Vladar fan as a goaltender and an, and an individual. And I know that both are capable of significantly better. But this is also professional sports, and you are judged on what you have done this season and what they have done lately. And lately, it just has not been what the Flames need. They went from top four in the NHL last year in terms of their goaltending tandem, and they've swung to bottom four. That That is almost an insurmountable swing over a full season. It's almost too much to even... Like, of course they're having, when you, and it's not all on the goaltenders, it's mistakes in front of them. I grant you that. But when you go from top four team save percentage to bottom four team save percentage in the matter of one summer, that's going to make a difference, a significant difference in the standings, especially through 60 games. And for me, one of these guys, it would be awesome if both, both of these guys, but definitely one of these guys needs to give you like 908 to 912 goaltending in the final 22 games. Not really concerned about what has happened because those save percentages are going to be tough to rectify for the season with only 22 games to go. But take this final 22-game stretch from February 28th when they play their next game against Boston to their final game in April. One of these guys in the starts that they have if they can give them 909 goaltending in those final starts, A, they're going to get way more of the 22, and B, going to give the Flames an opportunity. That's that's what it's going to take for, or that's one of the things that, that, that it's going to take for this team to get where they need to go. So the range for you is 909 to 912-ish, if I'm picking up? 908 to 912. 910's kind of my... Because save percentages are down, so I think nine ten okay. gives you a, a really that's above average for this year, and I think gives you a chance. It's not elite, it's not incredible, but it's good and good enough for where I think this team would need it to be. So, what would your reaction be if I told you that coming out of the All Star break, that three four and three run ten games, the Calgary Flames have the second worst save percentage at five on five at eight seventy four. And at all strengths, the worst in the league at 848. Sorry, can you say that number again? <laughs> 848. And you need to get them to 912. Again, I just need it from this point onwards. <laughs> I'm just saying it's not trending in the direction no, you're hoping to. And this isn't just on the goalies. As you mentioned, this is a team defense sort of thing. But what happens when you have issues with goaltending is that those issues have a tendency to trickle through other elements of your game. It puts a lot more pressure on your power play because all of a sudden you have to outscore things now. It puts a lot more pressure on your penalty kill because when you're only saving 8.5 out of every 10 shots, suddenly you've got to do everything you can to limit the shots. Unfortunately, the Calgary Flames are one of the best teams at, at limiting shots from the opponent. But it trickles into your special teams, it trickles into your 5-on-5, five five, and it really trickles into your defensive structure because if you're afraid to make a mistake, whether it's in the defensive zone, neutral zone, or offensive zone, because the puck's going to go the opposite way, 848 save percentage doesn't inspire 
a lot of opportunity, a lot of chances, and a lot of generally just feeling okay about where things are. And finally, before we hit the text, third periods is an area Ooh. they have got to figure out. So they have been outscored 63-56 in the 63rd periods they've played this year. This is the part that is really troubling. Six times they have led after 40 minutes of play and have not gotten two points. They're 23-1-5. and five. And granted, yes, only one regulation loss, but six times they've led after 40 and lost. And that is something that they were automatic last year when leading after 40 minutes of play. That was just one of their calling cards. So, okay, Flames have got a lead. One goal, four goals, doesn't matter. A lot of times they turn that, you know, our buddy Mike on the text line, who will, we, he's got a text in right now that we'll get to, but Mike's talked a lot about how last year's team, and I hate the comparisons because they're clearly polar opposite teams or night and day teams, but last year we got used to the Flames with their scoring power, with their offensive ability, turning a one nothing lead or a 3-2 lead or whatever the case may be through two-thirds of a hockey game, and next thing you know, they've turned it into a 5-2 win or a 5 nothing win, or they, they, they turned slim leads, and then they really doubled down on them, and that, that they, they turned into comfortable wins. That has just not been the case this year, and it's been, they have five multi-goal blown leads that have ended up in losses, leads the NHL, six times they've led after 40, and they haven't been able to close. Outscored 63-56 in the third period. This is a veteran group that I think is capable of mentally being where they need to be better in the third period and closing out games. I'm not protecting leads or just close out more games in the final 40 and uh, sorry, in the final 20 minutes and in your final 22 games. They they have got to figure that out because what happened against Vegas on Thursday night is something that we've seen far too often this season. Well, let's add another little wrinkle to that because in six of the 29 games, they've taken a lead into the third period. As you mentioned, they haven't come away with two points. The Calgary Flames are 0-14-2 when trailing after two periods. They have not had a win of any kind when they've been losing after 40 minutes, which ties into the third period troubles theme that you sort of started this little conversation with. If you're not closing out games and you're not managing to rally back, you're just sacrificing points. You're just giving up points. You're tossing points. And right now the Calgary Flames can't be doing that. To the text line we go. Uh, lots to get here at uh, 960-960. Get to as many as we can. Uh, here's one from Jeff. Uh, my opinion for the Flames this year is waning with each passing game, but it's not gone completely. They need a shutout, a dose of confidence to either of their goaltenders, I think would go a long way down the stretch. They need to eliminate the high danger opportunities they're giving up from defensive breakdowns. I'd rather have a lower shot total with more grade A chances than high shot totals, mostly from the perimeter. I think this just amplifies the criticism on their goaltenders to an unfair level. This depletes their confidence more and makes them more prone to another bad game. This negative feedback loop needs to be broken. I like that. Uh, negative feedback loop. I like that. Uh, this says flames are cooked and maybe unfixable. Uh, this reads, I appreciate you guys trying to make this a, a debate, but we can all hear it in your voices. This team is done. Um, this reads, um, I think it's about time we start cheering for who's going to play the Oilers. I mean, I think we'll do that regardless. Um, from Raj, first-time texter. 
We need to live in a real world. The Flames have never played 725 hockey. Good time to get some value for some assets. Toffoli has the most value that can be replaced. Lewis would be get uh, would get a decent return. Most underrated player on the team. Coleman contract might be too rich, but might get a bite if demand isn't too high. Get some speed into this team. I know there's a lot of those texts that I'll get to as we continue along. Um... What else we got here? James says, we're always talking about goaltending, and rightfully so. What about a timely goal or face-off win, etc.? This is not just a goaltending problem. Agreed, James. This is a one, they need one more goal, one more save, one more break season. That That's the type of season that we've talked about for 60 games. Um, this says, of all the teams in the playoff hunt, Calgary has, what, 20 wins in regulation? Not close to the other eight. This team needs to sell, in my opinion. Uh, this from Nate in Calgary. I hope I'm eating crow in April, but no optimism here. They're not fast enough. Too many D zone turnovers. Yes, they outshoot opponents, but a ton of perimeter shots and quite limited and high danger scoring opportunities. Um, this from Mike guys, it's pretty obvious to me. The flames are just not skilled enough. They don't get the easy goals or easy wins from a superstar that goes on a two week heater. Instead, they constantly need to outwork their opponents for their goals and wins. They can't score themselves out of trouble. They end up pressing too hard for goals and end up shooting themselves in the foot with odd man rushes the other way. That's from Mike. I think there's a lot of truth to a lot of that. Sam says, Pat, let's be honest here. A team that has failed to win more than three in a row all season and not win a game back to back this new calendar year to go something like 14-6-2 down the stretch is as far of a long shot as Calgary hosting an all-star weekend. All I can say is sell, sell, sell. Get some wins in a prospect uh, in a prospect wise. Otherwise, this season has just been an outright failure. Just to clarify one thing in that text, they have actually won back-to-back games this calendar year. It came January 21st and 23rd um, just for that. So they do have back-to-back wins this year, just not three in a row. Uh, this from Kevin in Dixonville. Uh, I started half full, but now I'm empty. I'm thinking it starts getting better with defense and checking like they had last year. Uh, now I'm tear it down. This says, I don't think they can do it. Uh, this reads, guys, I don't even know where to stand with this team. There are teams that could possibly fall a bit. I look at the Kraken and Jets. Do one of them fall off a bit, giving the Flames an opportunity? I'm not overly confident, but crazier things have happened. I'm just saying the season has been so up and down that it wouldn't surprise me. Jeff writes, half empty and sad. I really like a lot of the team, but it's very difficult to watch. Reminds me of uh, the 89 to 91 teams where they dominate at one end and then every chance an RN goes in. You could see them in Vegas get satisfied with a two-goal lead and watch it get away. Very tough. Um, This says, I'm glass half full, guys. Not getting into the playoffs, but in packages they could get in return for guys expiring in the next couple of years, like Hannafin and Toffoli, for instance. Those guys are integral to success, but is success a really good idea this year? Could use some extra cap space, picks, and prospects. Prices are stupidly high. Uh, Cody and Drumheller says, Boys, I've always tried to stay on the positive side of things, but can't anymore. This team is so wildly inconsistent. I don't want to hear the, if they can make it to the dance, they have a chance. Yeah, that's true. They might, but they have to win four to seven games to win a round, and I doubt this team can do it. I don't see any world where this team does anything than stand pat, and it's infuriating. Uh, Pat, I told you before Christmas, this team was not making the playoffs with their propensity of losing to teams below them in the standings. Glad the reality has sunk in for you. Welcome to the dark side. My playoff seat money will serve itself well with a cruise down the Nile next year. Uh, I've heard those river cruises are nice. 
I've, I'm just waiting for you to drop like a Paris reference or something. In they, 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 they were all over the Seine or the the Rhone, the ones in the Rhone that the take you through Lyon, and well, they looked awesome. I will say this in defense of the Calgary Flames: if they manage to put together a run where they play 750 hockey and make the playoffs, I'm not certain I'd want to face them in the first round then because that, then that changes the that paradigm, changes right? everything, and that's probably a little bit of the hesitation in terms of which direction the Flames should go. Because, and I, I know I've said this to you off air before. But this team reminds me so much of the Oakland A's when you watched Moneyball and Billy Bean slash Brad Pitt crashes the locker room, smashes the stereo and goes, you may not look like a winning team, but you are one. So go out there and play like one. The Flames remind me of that quote so much. They're different scenes. I don't want to be a Moneyball stickler. Oh, my apologies. And I love that movie. when When he smashes the stereo, it's This is what losing sounds like. That is what losing sound like. The, the beginning of the season, he's like, you may not look like a winning team, but you are one. That, that wasn't right season. at the beginning, was it? It's the beginning of the season when they're when they're starting it. Anyway, um, a few more times. That was after they traded Giambi and Pena. Yes, that's what it was. Good call by you. Uh, Calgary Flames need to get a realistic trade off the uh, off the parts. We don't need any more or can't sign next year. This year's over. Get over it. Smell the coffee. Get some draft picks. Ellie says, although increasingly difficult, I'm still positive. After Friday, I'll start getting more critical. Murray says, it's over. There's no reason to believe that scoring will improve or that goaltending will not only improve but be exceptional. This says, glass is empty. This team won't win even if they make it, so just rebuild. Get what you can out of trades or whatever they can do. That includes trading the goalie if possible. Uh, Noah says, sell, 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 sell. Uh, Ben in traffic says flames need to sell, especially considering the contracts that expire next year. Going to be a Johnny and Kachuk situation all over again. Uh, Walshie in Strath Vegas. Pat, the glass is empty, period. There you go. Great smattering on the text line. I would say, just judged on the judging on the texts, it's skewed more half empty. Is that a fair? <laughs> it's skewed completely empty. Where's your faith, Flames fans? Uh, trade deadline is this week. It's Friday. We've got wall-to-wall trade deadline coverage for you on Friday. Brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Talk a little trade deadline now on our Daily Flames Roundtable. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Minutes from the Calgary Airport. It's Steinberg. Aaron Vickers from Daily Hive. And now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, to complete our round table uh, and today's round table as deadline week is underway. Monday is uh, when we're talking right now. Friday is trade deadline across the NHL. Uh, there are two games for the Flames between now and the trade deadline. They play Boston on Tuesday and then Toronto on Thursday. Gentlemen, for you, with only two games remaining, is there anything that can happen in these two games that would alter or change or or meaningfully shape 
your trade deadline approach or, or your opinion of what the Flames deadline approach should be? Well, for me, it's more about uh, all the games being played this week, uh, not just the two games being played by the Flames, who have uh, probably the toughest uh, two games back-to-back uh, of the season, at least so far, uh, taking on the first overall Bruins tomorrow night and then uh, another top-five team, the Maple Leafs, on Thursday night. So not an easy week for them, but I know I'll be doing a lot of scoreboard watching this week. Uh, for example, uh, three games I'll have my eye on tonight. Certainly uh, the Bruins and the Oilers, also the Canucks and the Stars, and the Golden Knights and the Avalanche. And then you know, tomorrow night, uh, the Kings and the Jets, uh, the Islanders and the Wild, the Kraken and the Blues, and of course uh, the Flames play the Bruins tomorrow night. And then uh, there's some other big games coming up uh, later on in the week as well. So I think it's more about where the Flames are uh, in the standings uh, come the trade deadline on Friday because... Right now, uh, truth is, they're not in a great spot. Uh, four points out of the second wild card spot being held by the Kraken, who have a game in hand. Five points out of the first wild card spot. Uh, suddenly, the Jets are in that spot. Looked like they were pretty comfortable in the top three in the Central Division, but the Avalanche are hot, as we saw on Saturday night, and now they're into the top three. And right now, I look at two teams in particular that I think the Flames could catch. Uh, and one of them is the Kraken. Uh, I'm still not sold on them. The other one is the Kings. And the reason I leapfrog the Oilers, they've been playing some pretty good hockey and, and picking up points. Uh, they've got uh, points in eight of their last 10 games. But, you know, the Kings are a team that hasn't had goaltending all season. I think they're second in the Pacific, Pacific Division, thanks to uh, some smoke and mirrors. Now they're a team that could get better between now and Friday. We'll have to wait and see. But here's my quick math. It looks bad because the Flames are eight points behind the Kings, who are second in the Pacific Division. But the Flames have a game in hand on the Kings, and they've got two head-to-head games against the Kings. A lot of ifs and buts here, guys, but if they win the game they have in hand, and they win the two head-to-head games in regulation time, eight points becomes two points, and there's still 19 games and 38 points on the table to try to close that gap. So... Uh, it's more about where the Flames are as of Friday. Right now, they're four points out of a playoff spot. Uh, ideally, they take care of their business this week and uh, get some help on the out-of-town scoreboard. And for me, that uh, could potentially shift uh, if I'm a buyer or a seller or somewhere in between. Patrick, can these games against Boston and Toronto change or alter or shape your opinion on Calgary's trade deadline approach? I'm going to go no. Two games won't trump the 60 that came before that for me. But having said that, I was willing to give the Calgary Flames the full month of February, so 10 games plus these two. I would have given them the 12 games to erase the previous 50. We've seen them go 3-4-3. and At best, they're going to go 5-4-3 and before the trade deadline, of course, with the latter game coming March 2nd. I just can't see two games, regardless of who they're against. Boston Bruins, Wills, you mentioned, best team in the league. Toronto Maple Leafs, top five in the league. Both teams have absolutely loaded up, getting their work done well in advance of the trade deadline. But I just can't see the scenario where the Calgary Flames, as up and down and inconsistent as they've been, if they come and blow the doors off of both Boston and Toronto, I'm not necessarily sure that changes my opinion of what they should or shouldn't do at the deadline just because from game to game, we're not necessarily sure 100% of what to expect out of this group. Yeah, Guys, there is nothing that could happen, whether it's the Flames in their two games or any other game or any other situation between now and Friday that would change where I am 
on the Flames. Like I, I just back to back shutouts no, wouldn't change a thing because that would be awesome, great, uh, incredible. It's still two games. It's two of it'll be two of sixty two, and the sixty of sixty two I'm going to buy a little bit more into than the most recent two. Okay, and and the fact that they are. Does not matter what happens this week. From now until the end of the regular season, they need help on the out of town scoreboard, and they need to play hockey at a clip that they haven't even sniffed since October. And and I guess for me, I'm not suggesting that it can't happen because that would be awesome. I want them in the playoffs as much as you do, Wilsey, or you do, Vix, or you do on the text line. It's just it, the damn show is called Flames Talk. It's better when when they're in the playoffs. It, I'd much rather be talking about Game One the, of of the Flames and whoever than Game One of of the rest of the the, the series. And so I want to see them get there. I just don't think that they should do anything significant at the trade deadline. And if they do do anything significant, I don't think it should be additions and nothing or or additions that are going to cost you a lot. Look at the stupid prices out there, guys. Yeah. And on top of that, look at the way they've played through 60. So I'm I I am very much with less than a week to go until the trade deadline. I'm I'm pretty set in what my opinion is. I don't think that this that that, that means that I'm going to try to convince you it should be your opinion because of course not. I think that, you know, it's a, it's a very personal thing. We all have different views on, on what the flames could do in the playoffs or their chances of making it, whatever. I just, I I don't think anything that could happen with the flames or the rest of the league for the rest of this week could really alter my opinion. I think they need to be, I think they need to stand pat aside from very, very specific situations. And I also think they need to, at the very least, um, take phone calls or listen intently if somebody's asking about a roster player right now. But definitely on the buying side of things, I would be bargain bin hunting, and that's it at this year's trade deadline. Yeah, I see it a little differently, Pat, just because a lot could potentially change between now and Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific or Mountain Time. Because let's say that the Flames win one or two games this week and they get some help on the out-of-town scoreboard, uh, they got to help at a couple of games yesterday, but haven't had a lot of help of late. But let's say that happens. And, you know, they're two or three or four points, four points out of a playoff spot. Well, they're certainly still within striking distance. But let's say on the flip side, they lose both games this week, which they could. They're playing two of the best teams in the league. The Flames could play really well against the Bruins on Tuesday and really well against the Maple Leafs on Thursday and uh, get no points out of those two games because those two teams are uh, amongst the best in the league. So, you know, if that happens and a bunch of teams around them that they're trying to catch for a wild card spot or for top three in the Pacific Division all have really good weeks and suddenly you go from being four points out of a playoff spot to, to eight or nine or ten, then... I might look at moving some guys out. I might quickly become a seller if, you know, the, the prices on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are equivalent or maybe even higher than they are at this point, and they've been pretty high, as you just mentioned, Pat, then uh, I would take some calls. And if I got the right offer, I would consider making a move. But if the Flames are still within striking distance of a playoff spot, not mathematically, but realistically, then I would have a hard time selling. And I think worst case is you probably stand pat, and best case, uh, you try to make the team better. So I do think this week is important. And, hey, if they were to get uh, a couple of wins against uh, teams like the Bruins and the Maple Leafs, that could finally be the springboard that this team needs uh, for another three-game winning streak and maybe even a longer one. And they haven't had one longer than three this year. Daily Flames Roundtable. Derek, Aaron, Pat on a Monday 
And and I guess kind of to to build off that, have the crazy prices changed your idea as to how the Flames should be adding or buying? Like, take a look at what teams are giving up for pending UFAs and and guys who are not. To, the Timo Meyer trade is one thing, of course, but look at some of the prices that have been paid for for other guys that don't feel like core pieces that don't feel like guys that are going to um, drastically alter things. They're nice additions. I like, I like a lot of what Toronto, Boston, Tampa have done, but when you take a look at the prices and what has been paid for certain things on rosters, has that shaped or changed how you're looking at things? Yes and no. So a trade that I've thrown out there a few times that, uh, and maybe I'm not uh, as uh, high on this as I once was, but I still don't think it's a, a terrible idea. But uh, if you were to do a package deal with the Canucks to get Brock Besser and Luke Shen, well, Besser and Shen are in very different situations. And when you look at these crazy prices that are being paid, Pat, most of them are for pending UFAs, right? So they're for rentals. And teams are up against the cap and don't have a lot of flexibility now or moving forward. So Sometimes they have to get uh, a third team involved uh, to make the money work. But, you know, the, the price being paid for rentals right now is way too high, in my opinion, at least way too high for the Flames. Now, if you really believe you're in a window to win, kind of like the Lightning are and, and have been for what feels like a decade now, and you overpay to, to bring in a guy who you think could bring you a third Stanley Cup in four years, well, that's one thing. But if you're the Flames on the outside looking in on a playoff spot, uh, that's a much different thing, in my opinion. So... You know, if the price to get Luke Shen is a second-round pick, you're, you're pricing me out. Uh, I mean, when I think about what you could get with a second-round pick in a strong draft, you know, I think about uh, two guys uh, who the Flames currently have uh, under team control. One guy's playing for them this season, and that's Rasmus Anderson, who I think is their number one defenseman. He was a second-round pick. Uh, and another guy who isn't playing for them this season, but... Uh, I guess could be. Uh, I wouldn't uh, bet on it this season, but hopefully next season. And Oliver Shillington, who was a second-round pick. So basically, that's what you would be giving up to get uh, uh, a third-pairing defenseman uh, who you might not have next season. So that price would be too high. But uh, you mentioned the Timo Meyer trade, Pat. I didn't think that was a crazy price to pay for a guy who's still going to be under team control next season. So if the Flames were to bring someone in, and this is what I've wanted them to do all along, to bring someone in who can help them now, hopefully get to the playoffs and make a run if they were to get there, but to also help them next season and maybe for even longer. That's the type of trade that I would like to see them make because there is no certainty that they're going to get to the playoffs this year. So I wouldn't want to trade significant assets for a player who you might have for 22 regular season games or 21 or 20, depending uh, when you make that deal this week. So I'd be out on that. But if you could get a guy who uh, would be here longer term and help you now and help you down the road, and, and the price was more reasonable, kind of like what the Devils paid for Meyer, I'd still be up for something like that. These prices have been crazy. Meyer notwithstanding, even though there was a first-round pick. And uh, the... The Russian defenseman who was a 20th overall pick a couple seasons ago. Yeah. Help me out with I the don't, name. Makamudin or yeah, something along I, those lines. Anyway, I remember doing that draft with you. Yeah. And we were scrambling a little bit on it. But they actually, they, they really liked him in New Jersey. Yeah. Anyways, long story Luke, short. Luke Madulin, I believe. Something along yeah. those lines. 
I wasn't a fan of the Calgary Flames spending assets three weeks ago, so I'm certainly not a fan of them spending it now that the prices have seemingly gone through the roof. I don't know how many buyers are left to justify those prices moving forward. I don't know how many bidding wars uh, will be in play as we get closer to the trade deadline on Friday. But as somebody who, as recently as a week and two weeks ago, said that you know anything more than a second rounder is probably too much for me, and anything that you can acquire for something less than a second rounder may may or may not be an upgrade over what you have already. So you're just layering on depth. For me, the prices doesn't change my perspective in terms of buying. Might make me curious to see what I could get for some of my guys. To be perfectly honest, with I you. Uh, yeah, I mean the 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 guys like James Van Riemsdyk or. Um, I don't know, some of the Max Domi, Andreas Athanasiu, uh, other names, Adam Henrique, some of Gavrikov? the names that have... Gav- Gavrikov sounds like he's going to be expensive. Like The only yeah. guy who, now that Meyer is gone, the only guy that that fits into a different pocket that we believe is actually available would be Chikrin. That one's different because... He's got a great contract. He's 24. That's a top four defenseman. Yeah, let's have that conversation all day. I just don't think the Flames have the assets to to be able to outbid some of the other teams that might be interested. But if they could, that's a different story for the type of assets they'd have to spend to bring him in. But for anybody, I think they else, have the assets, Pat. I just don't know if they'd be willing to give them up. I just don't know if they have the assets that could beat out LA in a bidding war. LA's got the the better prospects, better system. I just don't know if they, if it got into a bidding war with the Kings, if Arizona ends up choosing Calgary's package. That's that's more what I'm saying. You know, if if it's not that situation, then sure they'd have the assets. I guess what I'm saying is. What I what what O'Reilly and Achari went for, what Tarasenko and and Mikola went for, hell, what McCabe and Lafferty went for earlier on this Monday, like those are all no thanks type deals for the Flames. The prices are ridiculous right now. I think they're way better suited to roll with what they've got. If you want to make a fringes addition, I guess on the blue line or on your fourth line or whatever the case may be, I guess. I just think you've got to stay out of this crazy market and what the prices are right now. And and I think most of those deals that you're talking about, Wilsey, Chikrin might be the only one that is out there if he even ends up getting traded at this point. But I think a lot of those guys that you're talking about that would be more core pieces that you could add, they would be off-season additions. I just think it's really, or it's less realistic and more difficult to bring those guys in at the deadline. I'll say this. If Jacob Chikrin doesn't get traded between now and 1 p.m. Mountain Time on Friday, that's a travesty. And the league's going to have to do something about it. I don't even know what they would do about it, quite frankly, but uh, about these uh, guys sitting out for trade-related reasons or roster-related reasons, however teams are wording it. I mean... Uh, I, I think it's been done too much already. And in Chikrin's case, uh, I, I don't like it now. And I'll like it a lot less if he doesn't move between now and Friday. So we'll have to wait and see. I still think the Flames have a legitimate chance. They're going to have to go on some sort of run here. And uh, as we heard from coaches and players again today, they believe that it's in them. Uh, they think they've got the talent inside of that dressing room. And they also believe that if they get in, uh, they can potentially be a better playoff team than they've been a regular season team. But we've got a big sample size to work with here, guys. We've got 60 games. And this is a team that hasn't won uh, more than three in a row all season. And they're probably going to have to do that at least once in their final 22 games just to get in. And this is a big week for them. Even if they could split or get uh, two out of a possible four points in these games with the Bruins and the Maple Leafs, 
I, I think they're probably still going to be within striking distance uh, uh, on trade deadline day Friday. And then I'd like to see them make a move. But if it's a bad week for them, if they lose both games in regulation time and a bunch of teams around them win, and the team I didn't mention earlier that I should have is the Wild. I know they're six points up, but there's two head-to-head games coming up. So you can close that gap pretty quickly with two regulation wins. But, you know, there's enough teams that uh, are still within reach for the Flames that I think they've got a chance to get in. And again, if they're in a good spot or a better spot come Friday than they are today, then yeah, I'd still like to see them make a move. But uh, with that said, that's without knowing what the prices are going to be on Friday. Maybe they come down because these teams that are holding a gun to the head of other teams, trying to squeeze as much out of them as they can, get to the point where like, well, we got to move this guy. We got to get something for him. So maybe that drops the prices. But to your point, Pat, if there are bidding wars, that uh, heat up between now and then, maybe the prices get even more ridiculous than they are, and that's almost hard to imagine at this point. Trade deadline week is upon us, gents. Thank you, Wills. He will do it again on Tuesday. All right, guys. We'll see you tomorrow for a game day. He's Derek Wills. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. There is your Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills Minutes. From the Calgary airport. Yes, indeed. Deadline week is upon us. Already a lot of names uh, are already off the board, including maybe the sexiest of them in Timo Meyer. Oh, I thought um, you were going to say Pat Steinberg. I thought you were breaking your own trade here. Who's going to acquire me? Who's who's give? I'm not even a waiver claim. Come on. I'd put, I'd put in a claim for you, buddy. Uh, let's get to uh, maybe if we have a good week on best bets, maybe somebody will give up a late round pick. To, to bring me in. Uh, best bets time on a Monday. Brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly. Uh, had a solid three weeks since the All-Star break. We've been nice and uh, we're, we're winning more than we're losing. See if we can keep it going this week. Uh, I've got two for you on Monday. We've got just the absolute battle of the dogs uh, between Chicago and Anaheim. Not a lot that I like, but Frank Vitrano's one that always intrigues me. I'm going to go Vitrano over two and a half shots for the Ducks against Chicago, who I don't know if anybody still plays for the Blackhawks. Like, did, <laughs> oh, are wow. there, are there any, how many NHLers, like not even AHLers, how many, how many guys with more than five days of hockey experience are playing for the Blackhawks? Right don't now? disparage Max Domi. That's he might bad. be the biggest name moved on Friday. That's true. <laughs> this trade, he might be. Kane's not playing. They've already traded. They traded away McCabe. They traded away Lafferty. There's just not a whole lot going on in Chicago. Uh, so I like Vitrano of the Ducks over two and a half. And I also like Jason Robertson of the Stars for a big night against Vancouver. I'll take Robertson over three and a half shots. So Vitrano over two and a half. Robertson over three and a half. That is your Monday edition of Flames Talk Best Bets brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly.